Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders as they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. He's getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Just Derek? <laughs> <laughs> so Amir is taking this week off. He's got the night shifts at work, so it's just me and Derek this week. And originally we weren't even going to do an episode this week, we are going to take a break, but... Mm-hmm. Then Malignant came out yeah. on HBO Max and in theaters. James Wan's latest horror film, which is taking Twitter and film Twitter by storm. <laughs> Everyone's talking about this movie. Very, very divisive film. I think uh, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. I am very, very curious to hear what your thoughts are, Derek. Yeah. So, as you know, this is uh, James Wan's latest film that is not in the Conjuring or Fast and Furious franchise. Damn. It's, it still blows my mind that he's made a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> and Aquaman, right? And Aquaman. But, yeah, so this is his ode to Giallo. Mm-hmm. It's like the equivalent of American pulp fiction, right? The Italian word for yellow. So, it's got this luridness to it. A typically female protagonist, masked killer, ornate weapons, a lot of blood, a lot of gore. I think there's a lot of debate on whether this is actually giallo or not. I don't think we're going to spend the whole episode discussing that because I think that's a that's a moot point. But 
But there are definitely giallo tinges to this movie, and I'm I'm really curious to hear uh, what you thought of this bonkers-ass movie. (laughs) I will admit that I think going into this movie, even maybe like the first half of this movie, I wasn't that into it. I think it starts off pretty... Generic. Yeah, I I didn't want to say that, but at the same time, it does feel like it. Especially that first kill left me a little like, is this where this movie's headed? But when it starts to go into... The parts where Madison, she starts seeing the kills and like the realities start blending. That's where it like started to pique my interest. And honestly, when it gets to the end, we get that reveal. Like that is what kind of blew me away. Okay, so it's not even like until the reveal. So like even a good amount of time before the the big twist. I like the visuals of like the worlds blending and like this idea that she's seeing these murders without being able to kind of move and stuff like mm-hmm. I, th- I found that idea interesting i was like okay i'm in i, I want to see where this is going but yes it is not until that twist where i just get you know i, I get pulled <laughs> in and i'm just like oh this shit's amazing yeah like yeah the twist is amazing yeah so i mean you can see where the giallo influences come from right because you have like this wide-eyed fragile protagonist madison played by annabeth wallace so she's a big mainstay in the Conjuring universe, and she does a great job here. Uh, she's very good at playing vulnerable. So to give a little synopsis, so this movie is about this woman named Madison, who is in this abusive relationship, and one night her... Is it husband or boyfriend? I believe it's husband. She talks about uh, leaving him using the word divorce. Okay. Uh, so they get into a huge fight, and he knocks her into the wall and puts this gash in her head. And there's also this home invasion where this serial killer named Gabriel comes in and kills her husband. And all of a sudden, she starts having this psychic connection with this serial killer. She's able to see who he's killing all the stuff around her, but she's like paralyzed. She can't move. So mm-hmm. uh, she's able to witness all these murders. And she begins to suspect that she has some sort of history with this killer. And it's about her trying to uncover the secret. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the gist of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the yellow influences are there. Uh, you got like the black glove, the focus on the trophy knife, which I thought was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Essentially, it's a murder mystery, right? We're trying to figure out who's, like, murdering all these people and why. And Yeah. And the movie's, like, bathed in, like, colorful lighting. And the dialogue is stilted. It's very campy. So, I wanted to ask you, is that typically associated with Giallo? Is yes. campiness? Yes. Because a lot of Giallo movies are dubbed. So, the dialogue is always, like, a little off. So, I bought way more into this than M. Night Shyamalan's Old, which had the same type of corny, cheesy dialogue, Mm -hmm. where I felt this was legitimate and, like, purposeful homage, where Old, I didn't really get that feeling, so, I don't know, maybe it's because James Wan was like, oh, this is my ode to Giallo film. I guess when you preface it with that and you understand what Giallo movies are. The thing is, I didn't know what Giallo movies were. So when I came into this movie, and like especially that first scene in the hospital, really yeah. like started to leave a little bit of a sour note, just because it's I, so I was like, silly and it was like it was silly, it was campy, the acting was like not great, and I'm like, I get it, I, I I'm pretty sure this is intentional, but it's like, 
But, like, even that isn't really Giallo, because, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like he's playing with a whole different slew of influences. So that felt more to me like 80s, 90s American horror. Mm -hmm. You know, like, those uh, those Dark Castle films? Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Like... 13 Ghosts, Ghost mm-hmm, Ship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. House of Wax. I like how you went from 13 Ghosts to Ghost Ship. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the list. It's back to back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I totally get it. Okay, maybe that's not the Giallo influence, but I, I definitely It's wasn't. silly. Yeah, I wasn't in for the camp, but the rest of the movie does win me over. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of an issue with the very last scene of the movie uh, because uh-huh. it does kind of reach back into that campiness. The line delivery was a little awkward and not the best you know what i'm talking about the very last scene where she's like oh you're my sister and i'm like always gonna love you and i'm like this is weird (laughs) yeah i have a very fond appreciation for camp and like when i can recognize it and when i know what's being done i fucking love that i eat it up see i don't necessarily disagree with you i mean i think about a movie like cabin in the woods right which to me was also very campy right very on the nose and like i wasn't bothered by that but that was definitely a different feel like than this but i I don't know i guess the campiness in this really just got to me i thought cabin in the woods was more uh meta than actual camp because i think camp really gets you with the corny dialogue where Mm. i actually thought most of the dialogue in cabin in the woods was actually quite clever i'm thinking more about not necessarily uh the cabin stuff or the stuff with the victims it was more it, it leaned more i think the workers behind the scenes okay yeah yeah no no i, I agree like placing the bets and like having yeah. all the different monsters and yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i agree but i don't know that that worked for me versus like i guess what i'm saying is it doesn't work for me as much here but what i'm glad is that it doesn't lean too much on the campiness it once we start getting into like really the gist of the movie when we, once we start getting into those visions and start getting mm-hmm. into the reveal of the Gabriel character, I think it kind of steps back away from that uh-huh. that feeling, and I think it works better for me in those moments. Speaking of, like, the first scene, I actually laugh pretty hard because, like, it opens up with the scene at this hospital, right? And it's, like, this gothic cliffside hospital, mm-hmm. like, straight out of, like, a Scooby-Doo movie, which I was, like, I was already fucking laughing at <laughs> that. And, and basically, it's these doctors and nurses trying to control... Gabriel, like years and years ago, and he kills like all the doctors and nurses in this place. And like, you got bones popping out of arms, mm-hmm. people getting thrown around. Uh, it's it's camp, it's very Sam Raimi esque, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good call out for that. I do agree that like you really get into a sense of the craft the more the movie goes on, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, James Wan does like really great framing, he knows what he's doing, I think. Yes, yeah. There's this chase in the middle of the movie. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, it's like the top-down chase within the house. And it looks like a dollhouse. It's really, really fucking mm-hmm. cool. Um, it's all one, like, continuous long shot overhead. And it, it, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, and it, I love the, the spatial awareness of that scene where, like, there's parts where she goes under yeah. the second floor. But then she ends up on top of that same second floor later when she goes up the stairs. I was like, oh, that's really clever. It's different than normally what you see is like, you know, it cuts the floor plan like at one level and like it always just kind of stays at that level versus there's like the camera doesn't move, but there's like a sense of different floors. I thought that was really clever. Yeah. Actually, the chasing I thought you were going to mention was the one, the underground. 
which oh, I thought okay. was also really cool, really clever. Yeah, yeah, where uh, the detective is chasing Gabriel, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. Kekola Shaw. What a name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really love that part, the actual chase, because that's when you start to get your very first hint of the twist. Uh-huh. Right? I, I don't know if you noticed it. There's parts where, like, the, the person who's Gabriel looks like he's moving backwards. Mm-hmm. It's very intentional where his, like, feet are facing forward or, I guess, backwards while he's swinging in the other direction. I'm like, oh, wait. This is weird. He looks like he's moving backwards. And, and then... like, when he's crawling through the the hole in the wall, mm-hmm. he arches backwards and crawls. You ever play Soul Calibur? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Baldo. Baldo, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Amir would have gotten a kick, too, because we used to play Soul Calibur all the time. Yeah, I used to play a lot of Soul Calibur, too, dude. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's great. I think uh, James Wan has a very keen awareness of of the genre. He's having a blast here. I can just imagine him behind the camera. He's just fucking laughing his ass off doing his thing, right? I appreciate it when horror directors understand the tropes and do their best to i guess the right word is maybe like deceive right like they understand the tropes and they understand the audience understands those tropes right like i love the long takes where he pans over to nothing right Mm -hmm. and you know at the moment you might expect there to be a scare or there to be a shadowy figure but there isn't right Mm -hmm. like but then at the same time another scene he'll pan over and there's something there so like it leaves us on edge and never lets us settle into like a language in a sense. Like we never, oh, I know the scare is coming because he's panning over, right? He uses pan over in in ways that both trick us, but also like it keeps you on your toes. Because yeah, it keeps sometimes you on your toes. Yeah, it follows the convention. Sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. You know. Yeah. You know, and I think we've talked about like Invisible Man. The Invisible Man did something very similar, mm-hmm. right? Like the idea of just like empty space, right? Like. That, yeah. That's sometimes scarier because we were just like, is something going to happen or something not going to happen? The funny thing is that's Lee Monell, right? So like, yeah, they, yeah, like yeah, yeah. old buddies, right? <laughs> uh, James Wan's old buddy who who wrote Saw together. Do we want to get a little bit into this twist or is there anything you want to mention before the twist? I don't think so. I don't think this is going to be a very long episode. I just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about this movie because of how, how fucking insane it is. All right, so this is the funny thing about this movie because I predicted the twist way before it was revealed, but not in the way that it was revealed. Like the actual uh, logistics of what happens. Uh huh. I had a sinking feeling that Madison had like a split personality or something because, first of all, it looks like she's wearing a wig the whole movie with her dark hair, right? With mm-hmm. her black hair. And then the killer also has this long black, black hair. hair. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I feel like it's Madison. And they're just going to be like, oh, it's Madison. And then I'm going to be like super disappointed. But what they revealed was not what I was expecting at all. And it was fucking awesome. So I had a very similar experience. Okay. When we started to get into those scenes I was describing, right, where the worlds kind of meld together and like yeah. she can't move. I'm like, okay, she can't move. It's because, like, she's in the subconscious while yeah, right, Ga- right, right. Gabriel uh-huh. is doing the killing. So, I'm like, okay, they're the same person. Yeah. Right? And I just thought that maybe, like, you know, I, I think, like, the first part of the movie kind of alludes that he has psychic abilities. Uh-huh. So, I was thinking, like, maybe that face, that horrible face we're seeing is his actual face and, like, he 
is able to make everyone think that uh, Madison looks like Madison like normally so he can uh-huh. hide himself or vice versa, right? But you're right. The twist is something that I was not expecting and I thought it was so much more clever than I could have ever thought, right? Yeah. Which I, I love. I love that the movie was like one step ahead of me. Uh, again, like I think James Wan recognized like, oh, I'm pretty sure people are going to realize like they're the same person. Mm-hmm. How do we make them still surprised, right? How do we make it so that they don't see this coming? Right. Yeah. Do you want to describe what the actual twist yeah, is? Yeah. So the twist is, well, first of all, Madison's adoptive sister, Sydney, mm-hmm. goes to uh, investigate the old mental hospital. I don't know if it's a mental hospital or asylum, or is it just a hospital's hospital? I would say best parking job I've seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she goes there and she parks right on the edge of the cliff. With, like, two inches of clearance. So much guts, man. I would never be able to like, just come to a stop right next to a cliff like that. Yeah, but if you didn't do that, it wouldn't be as picturesque, right? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they did it all for the aesthetics there, which I appreciate. So, like, one of the aspects of Giallo is, like, the narrative cohesiveness is just, like, fucking whatever. They just do whatever. Mm-hmm. And this scene was definitely kind of like that because she just goes into this hospital Finds the right hallway, finds the right file, yeah. takes the correct videotape, and that's the end of that, right? There's, like, no digging through or, like, really doing any investigating. She just knows where to go, gets what she needs to get, and then brings it back to to her mom. And they watch this videotape of young Madison, played by McKenna Grace, who's fucking everywhere, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays young everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And it's this video of the doctors working on her, and it's revealed that Gabriel is Madison's twin brother, but he is in the form of a extreme, quote-unquote, teratoma. So he's conjoined with Emily, or Madison, because uh, Emily's her birth name. Yeah. And he's this fucking disgusting-ass creature that's living on the back of Madison with these little stick arms and this grotesque face that's on the back of her head. And it's, like, this screeching creature. Yeah. Basically emanating from, like, her skull. Yeah. the back, yeah, the back of her head. Yeah. Is that CGI or is that practical? Because it looks very, very good. Yeah. The idea is that they were twins, right, that were developing in the womb, but Madison was the one who actually developed versus Gabriel, right? Right, right, right. He's, like, underdeveloped. That's why he looks, like, disformed and his arms are, like, really small and skinny and, like, it really is only his arms and his his head, right? Yeah, and, like, his rib cage on Mm -hmm. uh, Madison's back. Fucking disgusting. And so they decide to cut him out. This is, like, super traumatic for Madison. She, She blocks it out of her memory. And they push Gabriel into the back of Madison's skull and close it up. Mm -hmm. So he's dormant for, like, the longest time. But when her husband beats her up and throws her against the wall, it, like, makes a gash in the back of her head and it wakes Gabriel up. Yeah. And he starts going on this killing spree after being awoken from, from this fight. And the way they reveal this, because Madison's in prison and all of these other prisoners are harassing her attacking her and beating her 
And then all of a sudden she gets up and she like rips the back of her skull open and Gabriel's nasty ass face comes out of the back of her head. <laughs> yeah. And she like contorts her limbs backwards. She fucking murders everyone in the prison cell uh, with all this crazy backwards choreography, choreography which yeah. is so yeah. fucking cool. So much blood. It's just awesome. But this is also conjoined with, you know, we, we're talking about the sister, right? Who goes to the yeah. hospital and like she finds this old videotape. I thought those two scenes worked really well together. Yeah. Um, and it just like became absolutely clear what, what, what was happening now. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Because there, there's a pretty extended action scene, right? That takes place first within the jail cell, right? Where Gabriel slash Madison or whatever, you know, Gabriel basically murders all the, the prisoners, right? Which are all female uh-huh. in that cell. But then he gets loose and then also just basically murders all the cops in the precinct. <laughs> yeah. And like that choreography is, I think, even better. Yeah. And I think a lot of what they did with the costume too, you could definitely tell like the shoulders are fake. Mm-hmm. They're definitely made to look like the person the that's... forward facing. Yeah, they're forward facing. Yeah. You know, you could tell the person who's acting is forward facing, but the, the way the costume is, the body looks like it's backwards, right? Yeah. But yeah, I thought all of that was really clever. A really good use of the way like he runs backwards, how the way he kind of crawls, mm-hmm. you know, backwards. And it, it really works and is really yeah. cool. And, and, and I think Annabelle Wallace does like a great job, great physical performance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the acrobatics and stuff are a stunt double, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and she's totally game for this. I, I think it's one of the coolest uh, reveals in, in a horror movie and just the sheer balls on James Wan to do something like this. Like he made a billion dollars with like Aquaman for, for WB. So he was like, let me do this. I just want to do this one thing. And, and they just let him do it. Right. I thought yeah. that was, uh, hilarious. You brought up this idea of like kind of like storylines just being convenient and then kind of just ending. Like they, they're kind of as a matter of fact for the story. Uh-huh. I kind of find it funny that, you know, we talked about the part where the um, Kikoa's character, like, chases Gabriel down into the undergrounds. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, dude, he's so dead. There's no way. Typical conventions, when you get chased down into, like, some isolated area, you're so dead. But he makes it out of that situation. Yeah. Like, and then, like, when um, Sydney's character goes to the hospital by herself, I was like, she's so dead. Like, you don't go and to she a makes it hospital. Through it too. Yeah. I found that interesting, but also found it like kind of refreshing because I was like totally expecting them to be like, oh, these characters are so dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to find out that no, they're just kind of plot devices, but it's fine. Yeah. But we also find out that the people that I guess Gabriel are hunting are the people responsible for, I guess, Gabriel being subdued, right? Like, yeah. He, he it's hunts- like all the doctors and like psychiatrists at the hospital um, that he's hunting down. But then we also find out that um, Madison's character is adopted and like the one woman that Gabriel kind of kidnaps is his actual is her, is birth, her or, birth mother. Yeah. Is, both is their birth, her birth mother. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of themes about adopted families versus like real families. There is this struggle between Gabriel and like Madison being like, you know, actual brother and sister versus, you know, Sydney and Madison being like adoptive sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the power of love between those. Like, this story it isn't just a nothing story, right? There is actually yeah, kind of like... there's a little depth to it. I like it. Yeah, which I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I will say, I brought this up to you a little bit before we started recording, but I did go back and rewatch really quickly the fight scene between Kakoa and Gabriel's character in the underground. And like, I did find it a little deceptive because... 
it doesn't do the same trick as it does in the precinct, right? In the precinct, it's mm. very clear that he's fighting backwards and like he looks like he's fighting backwards versus because they haven't done the reveal yet in the underground area, he definitely looks like he's facing forward when he shouldn't be, right? Mm. So I, I think that it was just a little bit deceptive in that in that matter. But I guess I, I understand that, you know, it wasn't the reveal yet, so they didn't want to give it away just yet. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate when movies kind of like sow those seeds and like let mm. us come to the conclusion. Because like I said, that chase, you get to see him like look like he's walking backwards. And I was just like, that's strange. <laughs> yeah. But then later it doesn't get paid off because the fighting looks like he's still fighting normally. So Yeah. Have you seen all of James Wan's movies? I actually haven't. You know, I never really watched the first Conjuring or and I was never really interested. Oh, really? So, so I just never dove into that universe because I realized how connected it was, right? So, like, I've seen some of the Saw stuff because, you know, that's some of James Wan's work. I've seen Aquaman. I've seen now this, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't like his work. It's just I feel like that became this whole universe that, like, I couldn't. I didn't feel like I had an entry point into, right? So I did like that this was something that was completely separate, that it was something that that w- it didn't rely on me to watch The Conjuring stuff to watch this. Yeah. I think mostly his names become synonymous with The Conjuring mm-hmm. universe, but this is so much closer to his early, more subversive, transgressive stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Saw, Dead Silence, Death Sentence, um... Really, like, gory, almost bordering on, like, tasteless stuff that I Uh I really, really fucking like. And this is, like, right there with it, you know? I think right now he's more known for, like, the wide appeal horror. Yeah. But, like, he's always liked dabbling in, like, camp, you know? Yeah. Uh, Because even, like, Aquaman has camp in it. Yeah. You have, like, the fucking octopus playing the drums. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that uh, ridiculous Depeche Mode song that comes up when uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen is, like, making the, the Black oh, Mantis suit. the Black suit. Mantis suit, yeah. That's so funny, too. And this is campy as hell. It's so fun. But I can see why people don't like it if they're not aware of, like, its influences and how purposeful the, the campiness is, you know? Mm-hmm. And... And even, like, the cop characters, like, they speak with, like, this really stilted cop language, right? And mm-hmm. and that's, like, a callback to a lot of Giallo films, where, like, all the cops and police officers in those movies are, are kind of like that. And, and how they're they're dubbed and their their dialogue is, is just a little off-kilter. I, I need to maybe watch, like, other Giallo movies to, like, appreciate it. But I guess being the person that... It, like comes from that background where like I don't know the reference. It just becomes uh-huh. like camp and like you either buy it or you don't, right? Right, right. Uh, versus like if I did have appreciation, I'm probably the type of person also that would love it, right? But I'm like, oh, I love the homage. And I, I do have a, a slight appreciation because you're telling me, right? And I've also read up that like, you know, it is kind of homage to this kind of type mm-hmm. of horror that I'm like, okay, I get it. It's for somebody. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I can appreciate that. Yeah. I did want to talk a little bit about something you brought up. I mean, this idea of, like, the mainstream stuff with The Conjuring. And, like, we, we don't know because it was day and date, right? But it's mm-hmm. it's not doing great box office-wise. Right. It is a divisive critics versus audience, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely has a lower audience score. 
Yeah, I'm not too sure if it's partially because of that camp or partially because it isn't part of the conjuring. Like, oh, it's not part of the conjuring. Why do I need to watch this, right? I don't know yeah. if that's like part of the issue, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on all this? I don't know. So like I wanna say the day and date stuff is really killing WB right now. Like it's just really cannibalizing the box office for these movies. But the latest Conjuring movie did okay. Oh, the one that released also because that, that came out on HBO Max, right? Yeah, yeah, that also came out on HBO Max. Uh, not directed by James Wan, but still part of that universe. Yeah, still part of that universe. I mean, yeah. So I, th- I definitely think that plays a factor. You know, like I think uh, people like like that stuff, right? They love the the stuff that's connected to the Conjuring, and I, I don't know yeah, the other ones. Ev- like everything's got to be yeah. a cinematic universe. Yeah, now. A cinematic universe. It's that's why I think this should, movie should have ended with a car coming through the hospital and it's like Dom, right? And like, <laughs> Dom. <laughs> or takes, Evan Lorraine Warren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Takes out, takes out Gabriel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, but Madison's like, no, we're family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're family. I mean, if people are hesitant to watch this, I definitely recommend it. I thought it was just batshit crazy. Look, I'm channeling a little bit of Amir here today, right? Like, I feel like Amir is always <laughs> the one who's like, Man, this movie, you know, it needed some time to win me over. And this is exactly it. It needed some uh-huh. time to win me over, but it definitely won me over. Yeah. I, I was also going to say that I wish Amir was here because I, knowing me, I would ask him about the whole twin thing. Like, is that like how fucking <laughs> you real would is ask him <laughs> I'd be like, how real is this shit? But I guess <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? It's a horror movie. Like, there's no... I, I know I'll, it's not. I know it's I'll not. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. But I, I have a feeling <laughs> that he he would have dug this. So, oh, dude, uh, I think he would have really liked this. Uh, we'll <laughs> definitely try to get him to watch it and maybe give his reactions to when he comes back. But I think he would fucking flip out for this thing. Yeah, I mean, I predict twists all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty good at it. I'm very good at recognizing genre convention and stuff, and. And I thought I had this one, and mm-hmm. and this one fucking blew my socks off. It was fucking crazy. I never saw this coming. It was so fucking cool watching it yeah. blind, not knowing anything. Yeah, agreed. It's so cool. Gory, too. Uh, lots of blood flowing. Even before the big uh, set piece in the prison, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the kills with the trophy knife were really, really good. Yeah, when, like, the face is just missing. Yeah, <laughs> just pulverizing that dude's yeah. face. Good stuff. Which actually reminds me, one of the things I really liked about this movie is also seeing some of the posters and stuff coming from it. There's a really cool poster where it, it looks like part of her face is gone because it's being taken over by, like, this male yeah. face. And, like, you know, once you see the movie, you're like, oh, that poster makes that perfect totally sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. it also looks like a piece of her face is missing, kind of like the way, you know, Gabriel mutilates some of these guys' face with that, that trophy <laughs> knife. So I'm like, man, it, it's really cool advertising. But then I also saw your tweet, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you haven't seen it, like Jeff did a really good uh, poster mashup between Ma, right? That uh, <laughs> Octavia Spencer movie from a couple of years ago and Malignant. And I thought it was it was pretty clever, dude. That was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you haven't checked that out, check out his Twitter. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know about you. Like, I would prefer this if this hopefully remains like standalone. This is just like a standalone piece of work. Like, we don't need a sequel. We don't need like a universe, right? Yeah. I don't. I doubt it will be because it's not performing so well, but... Yeah. 
that's true. That's the sad thing. But I mean, it kind of leaves it open ended, right? With him saying like, oh, "I'll be back," or like, you know, "You can't get rid of me." Yeah, the ending's a little tidy. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too tidy. It's a little too again campy and just. I mean, I guess it's. I guess it's par for the course for these types of movies, these campy movies. It resolve like you know, hugs and feelings, you know. Yeah. But yeah, like Madison gets her triumphant moment. Like you don't control me. Uh, I control you. You know. Mm-hmm. That's these kinds of movies for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder if she's actually going to go to jail because I mean, nobody knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was her. Like straight up, it's her. <laughs> yeah, but now they got that videotape, right? That's uh. That's true. That's evidence. That is evidence. Well, yeah, uh, I don't know. If there's any, is there anything else you want to bring up? No, I think that's it. Short and sweet tonight. Both of us professing our love for this movie, this crazy-ass, bonkers horror movie. If that's it, I, that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, where I reviewed Malignant. Uh, you can read my review there. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you, Derek? Uh, I was going to say, Jeff, also, you're doing a lot of TIFF stuff right now, so, you know. Yeah, he's doing yeah, yeah. I'm covering that. Toronto International Film Festival. Next week, I'm covering New York Film Festival. So, lots of big movies I'll be covering, mostly next week, because TIFF is uh, a lot of the smaller releases I'm covering. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can find me at The World's OKS Photos and Screen Asian Skilled at Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. And, um, you know, Amir typically says some clever line about <laughs> where people can find him. So I got to come up with one for him, which we say, he's living in the back of my skull. There exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just like Gabriel. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's just uh, uh, subdued right now. <laughs> if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions on Malignant, James Wan's latest horror film, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting an email, and we sometimes we read it out on the pod, so feel free to shoot us a line. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Yeah, hopefully Jeff will split his head open and let Mir out next week. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll see you guys then.